We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Wilson. Glad to be back on tonight. Hope everybody's doing well. I am super excited to have on, once again, my good friend Michael, who runs the uh, Sidelines UConn account on Twitter. Michael, thanks again for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. I'm not sure anybody wants to hear <laughs> what I'm what I'm bringing, but thank you, man. I appreciate it. Um, you know, it's it's been a blast. Um, you know, it feels like it's been about five years, but the truth of the matter is, I think you and I have been kind of working together, have a friendship, a partnership for what maybe a year. I should go back and look at the, the exact date, but it, ha- it hasn't been all that long, but it feels a lot longer. Right. No, I agree with you. I, I, I started the podcast almost two years ago now, I believe. So it's been less than two years. That's crazy. It, it is. And, you know, I'm not sure if people really know the story, but it's interesting. You were just starting out. Uh, and you know you were looking to become a national podcaster, and and I wasn't looking to interfere with that. But I said, hey, you know, I'm just starting this whole sidelines thing, and it's just a hobby for me because you know uh, I left the state of Connecticut, and I loved UConn. I'm I'm a, I'm an addict for all things UConn, whether it's field hockey or baseball or basketball. And so it was just a way for me to kind of stay close to the university and its athletics. And uh, so when I saw that you, I don't even remember, but maybe it was something online that I saw that you were starting out looking to visit all 300 different stadiums and whatnot. And I said, hey, I think I can introduce you to some of some of our folks at UConn. Maybe we could help each other. Right. And, and I said, and I remember like we, we kind of like quickly uh, charted out like you would help me um, with uh, UConn, with UConn football pregame stuff, you know, and do some predictions and what, because you know football better than I do. That's not the sport I know best. And, and I said, I'll promote you and I'll promote you to my fans. Um, and followers, and I had no idea that it was going to take off for you like it has. I I didn't either. And, and when you presented me with this, of course, being a new a newbie at this, I jumped on it. Of course, I'm like, wow, somebody actually thinks I'm I'm decent at this. <laughs> so it was one of those things at the beginning where I was like, oh, this is cool, and I'm like, I have no connection to Connecticut other than some of the little Rip things. Rip Hamilton. Yeah, other than Rip Hamilton, right? And it's like. Well, and, and Ryan Boatwright too, but but still, it, it it was one of those things where it's like, man, I really got to learn a lot about this university, and it's been. People ask me all the time, "How did I become 
connected with UConn and become a fan of the football program and everything. And it's such a long story that it's too hard to share. Yeah, it, it is kind of interesting because people say, how do you know Bobby? Is he like a lifelong friend or is he somebody that, you know, and it's like I met him online. And the truth is for people who don't know, like you and I have never physically met. We've had a bunch of opportunities that have fallen through. Like I was supposed to go out to Michigan and I had a family thing come up at kind of a, a week before and it broke my heart because I was really looking forward to the game, looking forward to meeting you. In fact, I was going to stay at your house yes. um, at, at that point, you yeah. know. Um, but you and I have just stayed in touch, uh, and it's amazing, like, the whole cyber experience of life that we have now, you know, where we can connect and get to know each other and get to know family, you know, family issues and, and whatnot. And, um, I feel pretty lucky, like just doing the sidelines thing, like putting you aside just for a second, you know, like I have friends in almost every single, uh, fan base. It's pretty remarkable. I have friends from North Carolina State, Liberty. I have a couple good friends from Liberty who DM me all the time. You know, um, the only ones I don't <laughs> is South Carolina women's basketball, but that's another story <laughs> for another day. That They're a kind of toxic group that I cannot connect with no matter how I try. But um, no, it's it's been, for you and me, it's been really fascinating and I, I can say, like, I know there's a lot of UConn fans that really, really enjoy the work you do. Um, for people who may not be aware, Bobby uh, does the, the pregame analysis of every football game we do. Um, and he sends me his notes, and then I post them. And it's incredible. Like, I think his podcast now has you your podcast now has so many um, Connecticut followers um, and the other thing that people may not know is there's a lot of administrators and coaches that Bobby connects with on a kind of regular basis um, it's it's pretty cool how you the fan base and the whole kind of UConn community have kind of triangulated pretty nicely it, it, it's it's an amazing thing. It's an absolute blessing to be able to be connected with so many great people. And, and it's like I like I said, I, I don't even know where to start when it comes with it. But it, it's it's so amazing to be able to connect with fans, players, coaches, and administrative people, people who are just working in the athletic offices and whatever it may, other students, whatever it may be. It's it's just it's such a blessing to be able to do this and to, to see it grow to what it's turned into. I mean, doing a weekly show about UConn football, I, I never in my wildest dreams would have ever thought I would have been doing something like that. <laughs> I never, ever would have thought that. Yeah, I, I know. And, you know, for the people who are listening in, you know, there's times where, Bob, where Bobby will write to me because we text each other very regularly if not every day almost every other certainly every other day yeah and he'll say to me oh by the way i spoke to this athlete or i spoke to this coach or this coach gave me a call 
and I, I'll sit, I'll be sitting there and I'm like, literally a jaw. It's like, you're talking to that individual. I don't have access to that individual, even close to that individual. And you're having this discussion with him or her. And it's, um, I, I can just say, Bobby, like the, people you have connected with at some of the highest levels of the, the uh, athletes you've connected with is really impressive in just a year. And it, it just shows how good you are. I mean, how good you are as a podcaster, um, also how good you are as a, um, a connective relationship builder and friend. Um, I won't go into, unless you want to, you're a mentor to some, uh, to some athletes, you're a friend to other parents. Um, what you've done in a year, Bob is, uh, is pretty damn impressive. And I'm just, I'm, I'm really honored you're my friend and I'm really thrilled that we can just, you know, just keep kind of doing the thing we love to do. Well, I, I really, really appreciate that. And it, it, Sports, sports have been good to me. I'll, uh, that's sports and God have been good to me. Um, just the things I've been able to do from from a sports perspective, from basketball and football in my life, are uh, things that I'll never forget. And I mean, it, just to be able to do this every day is just—it's. I mean, I I always said I had this dream of wanting to talk about college football for a living, and and it's getting to the point where that's almost the case, and that it, it's truly a blessing. And uh, I I think that's one of the reasons why I love it so much. I love connecting with the coaches, players, fans, everyone. I, I, doing interviews is the, is so much fun to me, just because you're able to connect with people in a different way, and uh, I, I just think it's it's so awesome. And like you said, some of the people that I've become close with, uh, some some people that I like you that I text every day, every other day, at least once a week. I mean, it's <clears throat> pretty amazing. Well, the other thing is for like anybody who's listening and who's not a UConn fan, um, you certainly are connected to the UConn community for all the reasons we've talked about. But you're also connected to a lot of other mm-hmm. very interesting uh, fan bases and sports programs. I mean, Coastal Carolina, Southern Mississippi, um, a whole bunch of them that, uh, so it's not, it's not just Connecticut. I mean, you're national and, and I feel your network growing and growing every day, but it's not just Connecticut. It's cool that it is by the way. And I love the fact that, you know, you, you have a, an, an influence, um, in what we do. That's uh, really, really awesome. But I, I do know, like, I've become a fan. Honestly, I've become a fan of Coastal Carolina because I know you're really tight with them. I follow Southern Mississippi because you follow them. And I even tried, you're, you're busy, you have a lot going on to connect you with some of my friends who are tied to other programs too, you know. Um, things are just coming at you so quickly sometimes. I think you, you probably... You need four hands, you know, four gloves to catch them all. But uh, I'm pretty, um, yeah, I'm pretty happy. Like, I feel like what I do is just a joy for me, and it's a lot of fun. And I have a partner 
in you on, on some level who has the same joy of doing it. Absolutely. And, and I just want to add one of, one of my favorite things that with covering the football team, it, one of my favorite things to do is to show the national media and national college football fans and everybody that this UConn football program is not the laughing stock that people think it is. And, and I love sharing that with with everyone across every platform that I can share it. I, I, I am that – if there's one thing that I can come across to, to anyone and everyone and every fan base that there is, is that this this story or whatever that's out there about UConn football, it's not true. Yeah, you know, well, you know how I feel. And I think that was really the the, um, the foundation of our very first conversation was this this narrative that's out there is just not accurate. It's right. not real. We did have five, seven year, rough years, there's no doubt. And we had two incredibly tough years where we were the worst team in the country. But it is not reflective I mean, the thing that I, I used to kind of draw the line on, and I'll say, listen, we, we've had bad years. There's no doubt about it. But to call us the worst football program in America ever is just ridiculous. It's over the top and, uh, it, it, to us because we have um, had a football program with real athletes and real individuals and real coaches. It's obscene. Right. You know? It is. I mean, we were a success story in the first 10 years. You know, we, we didn't become a Division One program. So some of this, I'm, I'm kind of spitballing, so you have to forgive me if I get the years wrong. Maybe 2002, we became a full member, and we went to bowl games in five of the first seven years. We, we were a, a, a P5, although people may question it, but I mean, there were real P5 players in, in West Virginia and Boston College and Syracuse and Louisville, um, Rutgers. Maybe they're not the best P5 players today, but they are Power 5 conference players. And we tied for, we tied twice for the, um, uh, the, the, the conference title in those seven years. We went to a, you know, Fiesta Bowl, and we got beat, but I'll tell you, we didn't get beat as bad as some teams have been beaten in bowls. Right. So it's not, you know, we didn't get beat 73 to nothing like I think Clemson did or something. You know, like there, we've all had tough periods, but, you know, that Fiesta Bowl, we were down one touchdown going into the fourth quarter. Um. We were in the game. We ended up getting beat, true enough. But those kind of things happen. But to call us the worst ever, when we have beaten Notre Dame, we've beaten lots of P5 clubs along the way, um, it's just kind of a We beat South Carolina in a bowl and Steve Spurrier and beat him up pretty good. Um, this is not the worst program ever. So there's a strong foundation but those years in the ACC were tough on us. And it was a bad era of coaches with Kevin Ollie on the basketball side and, you know, uh, Diaco and Randy Etzel on the football side. But we've wiped that clean. We, ha we have a great coach now. We have investments. We have 
P5 facility, some of the best facilities in the country. Um, things, I don't mean to go on, but this is a good program. This is a program ready to get to the next level. Absolutely. Um, that's kind of the way I look at it, you know. Absolutely. I mean, you talked about the facilities, and I, I said this the other day, like before before I was connected with UConn, I was one of those people, just because I was ignorant and I didn't know, that I would have thought because UConn was not very good, that their facilities were terrible. But once I became a part of it, I'm like, man, these facilities are amazing. I mean, the, the football facility is almost at an NFL level. Yeah, you know, uh, Alabama, Georgia level, it's right. that good. <laughs> it is. Um, and a coach who is who's truly elite. I, I don't. I think anybody who looks into the history of, of Jim Mora, uh, Jim Mora Jr., will tell you that this man is a different kind of coach. He knows how to build cultures. He's. We will be competitive. Um, not just at what I'm, I'm using these loosely G5 levels, we will be competitive at mid P5 levels pretty quickly if we have a guy like Jim Mora for the next five, seven years and we get a, a round of um, recruiting classes, multiple recruiting classes. I, I, I just deeply believe that. <clears throat> That's a 100% fact. You know, it's funny, like, so I'm, I'm online a lot, more than I ever should, <laughs> more than I ever should be, you know, my, my wife looks at me and just rolls her eyes sometimes, but um, there's so many people, you know, I see online, and they, now I know Twitter is not Mensa, you know, and it's not right. the IQ, it's not the IQ capital of the, the universe or anything like that, but some things just shock me because they'll go, why, why, why is anybody, why is any P12, a P, excuse me, P5 looking at UConn, like with that football program? And it's like, this is not exactly strategic brain surgery here. Right. I mean, your mark has, has been very open about what he wants. He wants a four time zone strategy where he has football games going on. In all four time zones, starting at, let's say, 11 a.m. in the east and going right through to the west. So he wants that. He wants a footprint in the New York metro. He wants a footprint in the northeast. Those things don't exist right now. Uh, he already has a men's basketball conference that is, uh, and people from the Big East are going to debate it, and I might have debated it too. But certainly one, two with the Big East, honestly, with depth, the Big 12 is actually better. You know, you're dealing with, and we're a, we're a top two, top three men's basketball program in the country. I don't think that's even debatable now. Right. So, and we have an improving football team. And, and let's face it, when you buy stocks, you don't buy stocks based on what the, uh, the share price was five years ago. You don't even buy buy it on a share price based on today, although to a point you do. I'm, this is kind of a loose analogy. The point is you're buying shares based on the value that they can be. Right. 
in the future, what the price can be in the future, because you want growth in the future. And I think that if you start looking at UConn with the first three things I talked about, this, the, you know, the time zone strategy, men's basketball and, and, and all that, you start looking at what the football team can bring and become a, a major force in the Northeast and certainly in the New York metro market. Rutgers isn't that program. Syracuse isn't that program. Maryland's not that program. There's an opening here. And can UConn do it? Well, I, I guess if you look back five, seven years, when we were in the, you know, when we were in the, the mid-major AAC, you know, and we had really um, bad coaching, we had bad coaching choices. Well, that, yeah, if you want to look back at that, that's, but that's not an analogy that's comparable today. Right. This, this program can do special things. I, I just absolutely believe it. I believe in Dave Benedict. He's, you know, he made the mistake of doing, uh, of getting um, Randy Etzel. Fan base will never forgive him for that. But he also brought in Jim Mora, which is a, a damn brilliant move. He brought in Dan, Dan Hurley. That's a brilliant move. He's kept our hockey coach, Kavanaugh, who's a, going to be elite and is an elite coach. Our baseball coach is a Hall of Fame coach. He kept him, uh, Jim Benders. He's done really good things. I think we are, with the exception of a top-class stadium, which I think if we get in the Big 12, the state will will bond for. I, I believe that. Others might disagree. But I think they. we've already agreed to upgrade it. Uh, upgrade the Rensselaer field now. I think we will have a better field over time if we if we get into the Big 12. I think we are like at a prefaces to become a major power. Um, that might be pulling the blindfold over my eyes, but I just see everything in place to become really good and become a crown jewel for the Big 12. <laughs> I couldn't agree more, and and I wouldn't talk about UConn so much or or fight for UConn football as much as I do if I didn't actually firmly believe that. I, I firmly believe that this program, given time and given the opportunity, has what it takes to fight for national championships, like Jim Moore discussed in an interview recently. And I know he took a lot of flack for that, but I'm a former head coach at the college level. That's how you have to coach. That's how you have to build your program. If, if, if you build your program in any other way, nobody in their right mind is building their football program to be six and six, or in my case, coaching basketball. I wasn't building my program to be 15 and 15. You are building your program to win championships. And, and with the people that we have in place now, from the top down, and players included, we are building that. You know, I, I know football is not basketball. Basketball has smaller rosters. A couple of players can turn a program around, although that's going to become more and more difficult with NIL money. But generally speaking, it's a, it's a lot more challenging with football than it is basketball. But when you consider, for example, that in 1985, we had two coaches come in. 
We had Gino Ariema and Jim Calhoun who ironically were never great friends, okay? They kind of ran separate programs. It was pretty much a wall between the two. Um, we had the worst facilities um, in Division One. anything. I mean, I, the field house that um, when I was in school there was just awful. It, it leaked. They had multiple sports going on at the same time. It was kind of laughable. You know, I've had this discussion with people from Stanford who said, you know, um, what Tara Vanderbilt built at Stanford was the greatest building job ever. And it's like, I have great respect for Tara. What Tara did was unbelievable. You cannot compare what Tara did to what Gino did. Right. You know, <laughs> Gino shared an office. Don't, don't quote me. It was either with tennis or, or track and field when he came. They split a phone. They they had limited number of phone calls they can make off of the phone in 1985. I mean, crazy stuff. They had no facilities. Um, they never had a winning record in anything. But they had a vision. They had a real vision, although I think Gino always thought, I'll, I'll get this program up to a certain point and maybe jump, and he never did. He never had to. Jim, on the other hand, talked about I can win here. Uh-huh. And, he, and, and Jim had like this, um, uh, this saying, it's like you have to believe in the impossible. The impossible is possible. Right. Um, and both of them became Hall of Fame coaches, maybe two of the greatest coaches in the history of, of team sports. You know, like you could put both of them in the top – 10 of all time greatest coaches along with the, the soccer coach from North Carolina and you know um, the, you know the new softball coach at Oklahoma yeah. those two coaches they did it at stores Connecticut right. that had no facilities and they became multiple national champions and there's no one in the world that would have ever thought that was possible <clears throat> And, and, and this comes to the point where, for me, I, I, I am a bit ignorant when it comes to this this topic because I've never even been to the state of Connecticut. Uh, so that's where sometimes I fall short in that discussion. But, of course, I've heard the stories, and, and, and I've tried to do my research when it comes to that topic. And, it, and it, it's truly remarkable just because – I think about some of the places I've coached at and it's been difficult situations like that, but, but now you're on the division one level, it's amplified even more. So it, it's truly amazing what those two were able to do. It's yeah. And, and, and the crazy part is, and I mean, I look at them as God, I, I, I it's kind of godlike as a fan. Like those two guys are amazing. You know, Gino's got 11, um, Jim had three, and then we've had added two more since he's left. Um, that's pretty remarkable stuff. What Danny is doing right now is funny. I was having a, this conversation with my son. I have an older son who lives in New York City. Never went to UConn. The long story why he didn't, but still the biggest fan. We talk UConn every day, just about. And. We, we, we talk about how what Danny has built right now may be at a quarter or half step better than where Jim had it, which is kind of 
mind-boggling because I can't tell you how many people on Twitter wrote the same damn thing. They go, Jim Calhoun ain't walking through that door again. And it's true. Jim Calhoun didn't. Danny Hurley did. Right. I mean, Danny Hurley, in five years, brought us to a national champion. And by the way, a dominant national champion. We won... (laughs) You know, there's. I just saw a, a stat today uh, on Twitter. It's like the three teams that had the, the highest winning margins in the last X number of years, whatever it was, were like North Carolina and, and uh, Villanova. And it was like 20.7, 20.2, and UConn was 20. That was the, 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 the point spread, the winning point spread in the NCAA tournament. So like those three were like, uh, you know, uh, fractions of a point difference. I mean, that's as dominant as you get. Um, and so he did that. Then he's got a top five class coming in this year and it'll be fascinating to see. And he's looking at an incredible class for, for next year. You know, we've had a whole bunch of visits, lined up with kids who are in the all four star, maybe a five star here and there. That's the way he's building it. You know, he's not trying to get one and dones. He's he's getting kids who are fast risers but are still four stars and maybe will stay a second year. Um, which is a lot of Jim Calhoun's strategy too. That's how he built his programs. Um so Danny is actually taking it to new levels. So Connecticut you know, it's it, it. This is going to sound really like you know, fan, fan. Um, uh, you know, um, you know, getting out there and yelling from a megaphone, but it's a championship culture. This is a school that knows how to win. Um, it's got the administrators to do it. It's got the coaches to do it. It's got a championship history to do it. So for, for anybody to say we are not prepared for the next level, whether it's the Big Ten or the Big 12, is just kind of crazy. Um, I, you know, if I'm lucky enough to be around in 20 years, it'll be fascinating to see if we're not one of the best football programs in the country or certainly top 15 in the country. I, I, I just truly believe we're going to get there. I absolutely agree with you. I, I know one of the topics you and I have discussed at length is, of course, what everybody else is discussing, and it is that realignment talk and and everything. And it's <clears throat> you've already hinted at it. Like people are crazy to think that UConn can't do this, and I know there's a lot of people within the UConn fan base themselves as well who don't want them to leave the Big East and everything. And and I even said on my last episode that. With, with Justin in my weekly UConn football chat that like I'm a bit ignorant when it comes to the Big East because I can only speak to it as a fan. I can't speak to it as a born and raised Connecticut uh, f- fan and somebody from the state of Connecticut where being in the Big East is is was your life basically. I can only speak to the fact of the Big East that I've watched it from afar and enjoyed the basketball that the Big East had. So I mean I, I understand that that there's fans who are who are really 
torn by this. And, and, and I love having the conversation with you because you're so rational about the topic and you understand what's going on. Yeah, you know, I feel the same way, by the way. Like, uh, first of all, the, the whole Big East thing is split my family. Like, we're usually in total agreement around Yankees, uh, New York football giants, and UConn. We, we don't have ten, we don't tend to split a whole lot, you know. But the Big East splits the family. It, it, it really does. My wife will not have that discussion with me. <laughs> she goes, she will literally look at me and she goes, enough. I don't want to hear it. And I go, oh, I'm not, I'm not giving an opinion. I'm just kind of giving you the where things are kind of breaking out today, where things are trending. She goes, I can't get my head around it. I don't want to know about it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it is kind of, it is kind of interesting. I feel it because when we moved to the Big East, no one was a bigger uh, advocate and supporter of that. I love the Big East. I you know, I read different fan message boards. I don't troll or anything. I just read, like, wh- where the sentiment is and stuff. And so many of the Syracuse, Boston College, uh, Pittsburgh fans will talk about, I miss the Big East. I miss the Big East tournament. I, I, I loved everything about it. I love the, the competitiveness. I, as much as I hate Connecticut or as much as I hate Syracuse, I still want to be playing them regularly excuse me and so it's I get the emotional connection and I really was for the last two months have been like sharing both views I'll repost pro biggie you know pro big east I'll post Pro Big 12, I was not taking a stand on it, even though I was starting to trend towards, I think, realignment is is the thing that's going to save us. Um, I have some bloggers who I've written for who have said to me, I agree with everything you say, but I don't think UConn basketball is going to crash or be devalued if they stay in the Big East. I kind of do, but I could be wrong. But I do believe that NIL money is going to dominate uh, the environment. And if you don't have football, unless you're a really well-endowed small university, like a Villanova, maybe a Marquette, maybe a Creighton, schools with big endowments, I don't know how UConn can survive. I think football would have to go away, which would be devastating. Um, I think a lot of our other sports would have to go away. And we would just become a basketball-centric school. And we're state land-green university. We're better than that. Um, but I understand the, the connection to the Big East. I just don't know um, if, the, if the athletic world can survive the kind, you know, the kind of uh, accumulating of money in this, in the Southern conferences, the way it is now. Um, it's to me, it's going in a bad spot. And I think UConn in order to survive has to be there. They've got to be a football player. And I can, and by the way, I believe we can win a national championship, maybe not tomorrow. Uh, but I think we can win a national championship or be part of a bowl system and be very successful. 
but I think being in the Big East probably harms our basketball franchises more than anything else. I, I absolutely agree. I mean, that's – at the end of the day, football is going to be the one making the money. And, and I understand that the NCAA basketball tournament has a very lucrative deal and everything, but you're exactly right with NIL and everything going on it's going to turn into certain teams and programs and conferences are the ones throwing out all the money and everybody else is going to kind of get left behind a little bit. Yeah. Now I I think that of all the things I'm going to say, that will probably be the most controversial and a lot of people are going to feel differently and you don't know how things, you know, how the dominoes ultimately fall. We don't know how the NCA survives if there's a new organization, Mm -hmm. but the way I look at it is look at what's happened to football. Did they, they're doing a football playoff system and they're allowing one or two G five or other schools to participate, but mostly it's the major conferences. So I see already kind of splitting, and it's going to be harder and harder for the Coastal Carolinas um, and other schools. So I'm trying to think of another one. T- uh, well, TCU would be part of the Big 12. Um, I just don't know how many smaller schools that are not part of the Big 12, the ACC, the SEC, or the I know the Pac-12 is probably going away. Um, given the way their contract is. I just don't know how many schools will survive. Um, I'm not uh, probably articulating it particularly well, but I just, I kind of feel bad things. But, you know, it's possible that maybe things get sane, but I don't know our world to get saner. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I just don't know. Uh, It'll be fascinating, but I, I think our football program is not just here for basketball. I think our football program can can be special, and it can be special and become the Northeastern New York team with the right leadership, the right financial commitment. I'll just say this. Everything UConn has put its mind to, it's succeeded. Everything. Uh, I, I look at... Um, even our weaker sports right now, like softball and um, soccer, are still very competitive. And if you put them in the ACC or into other uh, soccer leagues, I think we'd be competitive. And if we decided to really put some dollars against it, we could be very, very good. It's a very good athletic. It's a very good athletic school, and has kind of proven it over and over. In, in multiple sports, like we've discussed already, and you're you're exactly right. I mean, the leadership uh, from a football perspective. I mean, you're not going to find a better leader than Jim Mora, and the staff that he's assembled, Nick Charlton, offensive coordinator, and you can go down the line. I mean, these are top of the line coaches who are doing a fantastic job at getting one putting a good product on the football field, but then getting the right players in place to help this program to succeed to the next level. Yeah. You know, I, I really, I think Jim Moore is a, is a terrific coach, an absolutely brilliant mind. 
Charlton is too. I think Charlton is actually one of the 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 young. He's only thirty. Is he thirty five yet? Yeah. Is he yeah. Thirty two, thirty five. He's he's my he's my age. I'm thirty three. I think he's thirty four. Um, I actually think this year is Nick Charlton's year because he now has the tools. He probably has a quarterback. He's got some depth in running back tight end wide the wide receiver room needs to be bolstered a little bit more but he's got great frontline talent um this is going to be an interesting year for charlton and i think because of charlton that's why we're going to upset some some schools you know we obviously beat boston college last year uh you mentioned the north carolina game first game of the year those are the upset games. Yep, yep. Um, could, it could be could be pretty exciting. I mean, I, I don't think North Carolina uh, North Carolina State is going to come in and think we're patsies. Let's put it that way. So I think they'll be prepared. Right. But it would not, given that they don't really have any film on. I'll be interested to see what Charlton does. And, and don't get me started on Nick Charlton and how great of a coaching and offensive mind that I there's there's not very many better honestly and I I I cannot wait to see this offense in action with all the healthy bodies and just another year in the system and now he's going to be able to throw those two tight ends out there like he wants to I I I think it's going to be it could be special you know um you had Nick Charlton on your your podcast yes uh going on maybe a year ago yeah nine months ago i think you're right yeah i thought that was as good as good an interview and as good a podcast as i have heard anybody nationally do um that's a part a is you but part b nick charlton is a great interview i mean a (laughs) The man is articulate as hell, smart. Um, I'll tell you, you know, between Mora and Charlton, I don't think there's two more eloquent speakers in all of college football. And that is like including the best of the best not down in the SEC. Those two guys talk really deeply about culture and about um, a whole lot of different values that are and the game better than than a whole lot of coaches I've ever heard. That is just a if people should go back and listen to your podcast on that. The man is just terrific. Um, it wouldn't it would not shock me if he didn't become the next coach in like seven years when Mora retires. Um, if we don't lose him before then, um, I just think the man is a. Um, is a brilliant mind, and he, you know, he did it for Maine. So this season, I think this is going to be his coming out party for UConn. I absolutely agree. And I, I remember talking with him at, at Michigan Stadium. We were we were talking before the game down down by the field, and uh, and, and uh, he shared a story with me about Maine and just the the. Uh, which I thought was just fascinating because where the where the university is, I guess, is like right right on the coast, like right where a 
the time change with Alaska and Eastern time occurs. So he was saying that, right. in Orno, Orno, yes, right? yes, yes. And, yeah. And he was saying like in the winter time it will get dark at two thirty in the afternoon, and I'm just like, holy smokes, <laughs> just, just I, I can't even imagine that. Like, no wonder you 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 got no wonder your football program succeeded because what else are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, right. That's exactly right. It's an it, it's an interesting place, and you know the thing about Maine is they also have good baseball too. Um, they they made because they won their conference that you know they made the NCAA tournament. But Maine has traditionally had pretty good baseball for a place that is like way the hell up there. <laughs> not a place you would expect to have a good baseball team. That's not sure. a, not a place to have it at all. Like they're, they're all you know they're all making conference foes of UConn um you know it's it's been a lot of fun um I think I, I actually think Bobby you're at the um at the height of a wave and I don't know how much higher the wave is going to go but this has been a couple of great years the only program that struggled since you've been here is women's basketball mostly because um for as good a talent as we have had and we've really had elite talent is just they've been injured right you know uh i think this year uh, i the well the men are top 10 and 10 11 and i think that's underrating us but i'm very biased so i i like people will write online boy you're really screwing us and it's like hey let us overachieve we'll be fine you know, I, I think UConn men's basketball is going to be outstanding, and yeah. I think we're going to be a very, very high uh, NCAA tournament seed. I'm not worried about the UConn men at all. Like, I think we have all the makings for no, uh, to repeat, truthfully. Um, the women have, you know, two of the very, very, very best generational guards in the country in Paige Becker and AZ Fudd. And they have Alyssa Edwards, who could be a National Player of the Year candidate in, on any other team. I mean, I think there's three uh, NPOI players on that team. And then you throw in some other just fascinating players, you know, like um, Nika Mule was a, a national candidate for best point guard. You know, it, Carolyn Ducharme had a concussion, but she was... Uh, looking to be third team all American and a, and a lot of, um, a lot of different polls. And then you, we have some other players, you know, Audrey, we have a girl named Audrey Griffin, whose father is the coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm -hmm. His brother. Yeah. That's her dad, yep. Adrian Griffin. Yep. And, um, her brother plays in the NBA and she has another brother who's playing for Duke and, so she's she's just got athletic talent, and she's kind of like an Andre Jackson in a in a female body, you know. She doesn't have much of a jump shot, but she creates chaos and is a is a great rebounder and a great defender. You know, we have a top top class coming in, a, a great point guard. Um, we have a fascinating center from Egypt, El Jana El Alfi. 
um, who can back up and maybe be a starting forward. Like that team is going to be really good. And that's the, you know, for all the good things that have happened for UConn, whether we've won championships or not, we've been good. That's the one team that you probably expected right away would be great. I think this year we have a chance to become dual national champs. I think odds are pretty damn decent given how hard it is to have that happen. Um, we're, we're right there at the prefaces of that. I absolutely agree. And for those who don't know, uh, I was a former women's college basketball coach, division three head coach. I coached at the Juco level and everything. So at the women's level. So maybe we can blame the issues on me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, I don't think so at all. Um, I think, yeah, you were like a coach at 22 or something, some ridiculous age. Um, yes, yes, I one was. One of the youngest ever, right? <laughs> I don't know about that, but yes, I was very young. I, I got an opportunity. I was super excited, and I took it, and... Was I ready? Of course not. But, and that's something that uh, Coach Charlton and I have talked about too. Just being young head coaches, and and it, it is, uh, it's probably the most humbling experience you could ever have. Maybe other than having kids, but <clears throat> it is. It's one of those things where you feel like you know everything, and then you just jump right in. You're like, wow, this is this is a lot. But it, it is, it's one. It's an experience that I will forever treasure um and maybe i'll coach again when my uh daughter gets a little older or maybe even my son so we'll see but right now yeah, I, abso so I absolutely love what how, i'm doing right now though <laughs> how, how old is your daughter again my daughter is two and she is a giant oh. my my wife is six three so she she gets the giant height from from my wife uh but she, she my daughter is going to be very big she'll be well over six foot. I mean, she's already up to my hip, basically, and she's only two. So she will be taller than I am at age eight. <laughs> That's a really scary thought, actually. And and, and I'll be honest with you, we we play we play a good amount of basketball in our family because my wife played. Uh, she had an opportunity to play for professionally, and she turned it down and. I, of course, played for a long, long time and coached and everything. So we, we play basketball very frequently. And and my daughter, I can already tell, has those athletic tendencies that you that you uh, look for. And obviously, I'm not push. I don't want to push her to anything. Uh, I want her to learn to enjoy the game and sports and everything, just like I do with my son. I don't push him into anything either. I want them to learn to enjoy the love and love whatever sports they play or don't play sports at all. But uh, I will say that my daughter, I can see it already. Well, I had, um, so I was a sports writer. You know, I, I yep. was one of the editors of the Daily Campus at the University of Connecticut. I did some, you know, AP and, uh, stringer writing and stuff like that. So I was a sports. So what I wanted to do when I was a kid, I had very little ability on the sports side, but I just loved it. Um, but I coached. I coached my younger son 
uh, in baseball and basketball and did in summer baseball until he got to high school. And then he was an all New England pitcher at the prep level. Um, so like, yeah, I, I, I just loved working with the kids. That to me was just my joy. Um, and I'm now being in Texas and, and kind of a little bit separated from my family. Um, that's the thing I miss, but those years where, you know, I coached my kid, that was absolutely supreme. Those, those are the best years. I, 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 I'm I, looking I, forward to that. <laughs> you, you will be fabulous at it, Bobby. I, I promise you. Well, so, you. you know, so Bobby, we have to like figure out, I, I, I know you're, you've got a busy podcast and a lot of podcast, um, life right now and all kinds of things we have to figure out some some way to get to yukon games whether they're on the road or um i know the i, I know my fan base would find ways to welcome you in in tremendous ways we have to figure out some way to make it happen well that first football game against nc state is on my birthday so i have it circled at that's the one that I'm really, really wanting to go to. And my wife and I have already uh, said that we're going to go to the Tennessee game. So I'm looking forward to that one. So from a UConn perspective, those are the two. And I know you and I have talked about Rice as well because you live in Texas. So, I mean, there's a handful already that are on my list. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd love you to. And, I, and I'm going to see if I can make the – uh, the North Carolina game. I have some. I have some weddings, <laughs> as I've had, you know, in the past two years. You know, I'm at a, I'm at an age where my kids are my kids' friends are getting married now, um, and so I'm going back east a bunch of times, and I'm going to see if I can't make that make a connection with with UConn football as well. Um, but yeah, the rice one would be a lot of fun. Um, it's in Houston, which is about four hours away, but in Texas, that's, um, that's an afternoon drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, pretty, it's, um, I would love to do that, Bobby. I, all I can say is like, I just know our, my followers love following you. I, 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 I see all the, the, the follows and likes and, and whatnot and, um, you're, you're a pretty special piece of my, of, of my passion, you know, the SSN. Um, and I appreciate you so much. I can't tell you. Well, I appreciate you too, buddy. It's, it's been, it's been a crazy whirlwind two years to get to this point in, in the, where the podcast is now and just seeing, like, just talking about where we were at the beginning uh, it, it's, it's really cool to see how all this unfolds. And I know you and I have talked about this many times, but there's a lot of bad things on social media, but I've met so many amazing people on social media and you're one of them at the top of the list. So it's, it's been, it's been really cool. So I know you are doing your, your, your top, um, your top high level listing of every team in in the BCS. Um, can you give us a little clue as to where you think UConn's going to end up this year? 
<laughs> or you want to hold back? No, I, I, I feel like I've been pretty open about where I think UConn will be. I think UConn wins eight games. I think I think everything is in place for UConn to do something special this year. Eight games or even more. I, 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 I don't think there's a game on the schedule where you look at it and say, I mean, of course, Tennessee you look at and you're like, they're, they're a power. But at the same time, it's like this UConn team can hold their own for and do what they need to do. Um, that might be the only game on the schedule where I say, okay, they, they probably don't have a chance in that game. But with how well I know these players and coaches, I'm not putting a pass on one bit. I, I trust and believe in everything that those guys are doing. <clears throat> so I'm not, I would never, ever say never in that case. So, I mean, I think eight games or even more, uh, this, this team, I think has everything it takes to be a special team that kind of creates a stepping stone into the future and what is going to come very, I think very quickly, um, with even more special seasons down the road. You know, like traditional wisdom would tell you, like if there was going to be an upset, it might be early in the season. Right. right? Because, because they haven't seen a lot of film on you. Teams are still getting their collective uh, sea legs under them, figuring out what they do well and what they don't do well. And there's like opportunity for surprise and unexpected things to happen. Right. But what's interesting about Morris' team last year, obviously they had the injuries and, and we ended up destroying our depth level in the first two games. In the first game, in the first play, right. you know, we lost our quarterback, you know, our first, our first, you know, our, our first possession, we lost our top quarterback and that team got better as the season went on. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to happen every year, but it kind of blew my mind. And I think it blew a lot of other people's mind that come uh, later in the season, when we played Liberty, when we played um, Fresno state, we got better. And it'll be interesting if that's a Mora thing, you know, and it's just the way he's building a culture and a drive and a, and a passion to win. You know, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see because like the Tennessee game, you'd say later in the season, going to be really hard to, you know, really hard to pull one off. Right, right. I'm not going to put anything. I don't put anything past this guy. No. I mean, he didn't win the, you know, he didn't, he didn't win the bowl game. I get it. Um, but he's got better tools this year to work with a lot better. And, uh, I think we got. I think we have some potential superstars on this team, um, serious superstars. Obviously, on the the offensive line, we have the two guys who have national attention. Yep. Um, we got jo I, the, the Jolly Kid is just terrific. Don't don't get me started. <laughs> I, I think he's going to like blow some minds. I think he's going to be um, the player. God willing, everybody stays healthy. I think he's going to be the player saying, that's the guy you got to watch out for. It, trust me. I, I preach that from every rooftop that I can. Justin Jolie is going to be a household name by the end of this season. Everybody's going to know who he is. He is absolutely electric on the football field. 
and I know that they're going to be keying on him offensively, and he's going to be a huge, huge option and weapon for this team, and he has an NFL future for sure. Uh, yeah, and he's just a sophomore. Right, um, right. And he was playing out of playing on a position because he's probably really um, he's really not a tight end. He's more of a wide receiver, or uh, I don't know what you you know it better than I do. Even you can line Justin Jolie up wherever you need him to, and he's going to make a play, and and he will tell you that exact same thing too. So he he was a he played running back in high school some too. I mean, can you imagine a Six five six six running back charging at you. My goodness. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and we have some kids, by the way. Uh, we had some special kids coming in this past weekend. It'll be interesting to see who uh, who they can sign. You know, the portal, like it does in, in college basketball, the portal changes everything. It does. We forget like how kids evolve from year to year. You know, we have a uh, a young man on the basketball team, Samson Johnson, who was actually going to start. Um, there's some debate about that because Alice Caravan was hurt in the first couple of games. But the thing is, Samson Johnson was scheduled to start, and then the whole season kind of got around him. Who knows what he's going to be in his third season? The kid could absolutely blow through every expectation. So, like, people grow, you know, kids grow, and a lot of these kids are third, fourth, and fifth-year players. They're ready for that next level, and given the chance, they can make a real big difference with great coaching, great development, and great leadership. Absolutely. The, the- so I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited. I think the football season is going to be – just killer, and I'm I'm honored that we're we're partnering to bring a small piece of it to the fans and some insight to it, and you're a big piece of that, my friend. <laughs> well, thank you, and I guess the last thing that I'll say before we wrap this up is, I think the number one the the, the one thing I take away from the football team is the brotherhood that they have is something that I've never really seen before i mean these guys genuinely like and love each other on and off the field like it it is it's an amazing thing to see and hear and like every single player i talk to it could be the first time i ever talk with them and it's almost always the first thing they bring up in the conversation before we get on air is like man my teammates are just the best group of people, and I love these guys, and we are a true brotherhood, and, and, and that's them bringing it up, not me. It, 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 so I, I've been on many teams, player and coach. It, it, it's, it's hard to put that together. So I applaud Mora and company for what they've been able to do, and, and the players too, just to build that into what it is. It's truly special. Yeah, and – there are other programs that do that for sure. I right, mean, right. like we're not the only, only sports program, but I see it across a whole lot of our sports programs. I heard about, I heard it in baseball. I see it in women's basketball and men's basketball. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty proud of UConn. I really am. I think it's, it's great leadership. 
great coaches. I keep saying the same thing. But I do believe that that's kind of inbred in the university now. Um, so, yeah, I love that too, Bob. Thank you for having me, my friend. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your friendship. Um, and let's, let's keep it going. Absolutely, Michael. I, I always enjoy our chats whether it's talking texting whatever it may be i always love talking with you and and i appreciate you for for giving me the little the kickstart into uh husky nation my pleasure anytime talk to you soon my friend you too well thanks again to all my thanks again to all my listeners who tune in frequently and and uh it's a truly a blessing to uh, to do this every day. I, I, I couldn't thank you guys enough. So everybody have a good day. God bless.